Children can be dismissed for Children's Church. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3. We'll be continuing in our sermon series on Colossians this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11 of Colossians chapter 3. But I want to, I want to start by looking back at verse 1. I want to start reading at verse 1 because everything that we're going to talk about this morning stems from what Paul wrote in the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3. So I'd just like to start there, starting in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Follow along with me. If then, and if you remember from when Kendall, Pastor Kendall preached on this, he's, the, the if there is uh, implying the idea of since. So since then, you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so with those four verses, Paul has, is reminding us of who we are in Christ and the fact that our life, the, very, the, the eternal life that we have as believers is now hidden in Christ. Only then, only then can Paul go on to what he says starting in verse 5. So I'm going to continue reading. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in, the, renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, save, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Last week, as I mentioned, Pastor Kendall preached on verses one through four of this bigger passage that, that Paul is giving us here. And in those verses, he explained how we are, as believers, called to now set our, our minds and our hearts on the things of Christ. To set our minds and our hearts on the things of Christ because we have been raised with Christ. We have every believer here, through your faith in Christ, you have new life. New life in Christ. And the title of that sermon last week was called, Think About the New. And if you, if you listen to that sermon, you might remember at the end of that sermon, Pastor Kendall had an illustration that he used about a house. He said, when you move out of the, when you, when you purchase a new house, and you move out of the old house, and you move into the new house, you don't spend any more time thinking about how to decorate the old house. You've sold it you've moved on from it, your mind is completely occupied with what you're going to do in the new house. How can you decorate the new house? How can you enjoy the new house? 
It'd be a little bit weird if you kept going back and trying to decorate the old house, wouldn't it? And so I'd like to, I thought that was a very helpful illustration of the desire that God has for us to move away from what used to be and move into the new that God has for us, the new life in Christ that God has for us. So I'd like to build on that illustration, hopefully without ruining it, but I'd like to build on that illustration because not only does God want us to move out of the house, I think what we'll see here, if we continue with that illustration, is that God would have us burn the old house down. Burn it down. And anything that we brought with us that belongs to the old house needs to be burnt to ash. In this passage that we're reading today, God makes it very clear. And this is a a loving, gracious act of God. He makes it very clear to us. It is good and it is right for us to take the sin in our lives that remains from who we used to be. It is good and it is right for us to take the sin that's in our lives very, very seriously and to attack it aggressively, to fight against it with everything that we have, to recognize it for what it is, it belongs in the old house, and to do everything that we can to set our minds on Christ and remove the sin that remains in our life. It is good and it is right for us to do this in our lives. Let's look again at at verse five. Just looking at verse five here, I wanna look at this small word, therefore. Paul writes, put to death, therefore. So I'd like to take just a few minutes and look at this word because therefore points us back. And it's so important that we get this. If we don't understand that we put sin to death because of who we are, we can run back to the earthly religion that Paul just said has no place for us. We don't try to get rid of sin in our lives so that we can earn God's favor. We don't try to get rid of the sin in our lives so that we can somehow accomplish something before God. We look to get rid of the sin in our lives because of who God has made us to be in Christ. That's why Paul writes, therefore, because we've been raised with Christ. And I wanna go all the way back to chapter one. All the way back in chapter one, verse 13, there's this very powerful verse. Paul wrote this in chapter one, verse 13, speaking of God. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We have been relocated. We've been relocated from an old house to a new house. We've been relocated from the dominion of death and darkness and transferred into the kingdom of life and light. That is a truth, that is a reality that describes you and I who have faith in Christ. We no longer belong to the realm of death and darkness. We no longer belong to that realm. We now live in the kingdom of life and light where Christ is king. We've been relocated. We've moved out of the old house. And now in God's kingdom, everything that Christ has accomplished for us now, currently, belongs to us. All of the positional things that Christ has given us, they belong to you and I now. We're not trying to get them. 
We're not trying to work our way into them. We're not trying to earn them. Everything that Christ died to give us has been given to us through our faith in Christ. All the benefits that he has have already been given to us. Now, we, re we realize them, we experience them on a limited level now, looking forward to the day when we will experience them in their fullness, but they've already been given to us. And we know this because throughout chapter two, as we were going through that chapter, everything is in the past tense. Everything is in the past tense. Paul says in verse six of chapter two, you have received Christ Jesus. Past tense. He says, you have been filled in him. Past tense. He says, you were you were circumcised with a circumcision that is Christ, past tense. In Christ, the old man has already been cut off, past tense. Verse 12 says, you have been buried in baptism with Christ and you have been raised through faith in Christ. You, were dead in, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins have been made alive. God has made alive in Christ. All of this is past tense. The debt has been canceled, past tense. This is so important for us to just be reminded of this as we move into these verses because these verses are gonna get very practical and very real. And if we're not careful, we can start using them in the wrong way. We can start receiving them in the wrong way. The only way we can understand verses five through 11 where Paul, where Paul and God speaking through Paul calls us to deal with the sin in our life is if we are constantly reminded that we have already been relocated. We have already been moved from the domain of death and darkness. Christ is now our life. Christ, our new life, our eternal life is secure and hidden in Christ. Nothing can change that. No amount of sin in our life can change that. And when we know that, we can boldly, aggressively deal with the sin that is in our life. We don't have to run from it. We don't have to hide from it. We don't have to try to fix it on our own power. We can run to the sin in our life and say, I have already been delivered from the penalty of this and now I can deal with it aggressively, continuously. We can do what Paul says in verse five. Now let's look at verses five through seven. Knowing that everything that Christ has already done for us is past tense, now, Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. We are alive in Christ. We are alive in Christ. We've been relocated into Christ's kingdom. And now we are called to put the sin that remains in our life to death. To be in the process, to be continually dealing with the sin in our life and putting it to death. And the verses highlighted here, these are, these are or the sins that are highlighted in these verses. These are sins that have to do with our evil passions, greed, idolatry, things like that. Evil passions, evil desires of the heart. Paul is driving at the heart here. He says these sins are earthly. 
the earthly things in you, he says we should put to death. And earth, the, the idea of earthly means the things that belonged to that previous realm, the things that belonged to the realm of darkness and death, the things that belonged to the curse and the, fallenness, the fallen world, those things, those things that appeal to the old man, those things that appeal to the flesh, those things that you are carrying with you now that you've moved out of the old house, those things that you keep running back to and trying to bring with you, those are the things that were called to burn and put to death because they have no place in the kingdom of light. They have no place in the kingdom of life. Those things that belong to the old realm have no place in Christ's kingdom. There's no room for them there. They don't belong there. They're out of place. And Paul says, put them to death. Let's look at this verse, this, this list in verse five a little bit closer. Sexual immorality, which refers to any kind, any kind of sexual sin in the mind, in the heart, and especially the act. Any kind of sexual immorality belongs in the old realm, in the old house. Impurity, this could be anything. This could be thoughts, attitudes, words, actions, anything that flows out of us with an impure motive. Now you can see Paul is driving deeper and deeper into the heart. Passions and evil desires, these are similar. In a broad sense, this refers to just uh, an obsessing hunger for the things of the world, an obsessing hunger for the things that the world has to offer. Covetousness, this is an inappropriate desire, an, an ongoing desire for the things of the world that aren't yours. Things that, an, an ongoing pursuit of the things of the world to try to find some sort of fulfillment in what the world has to offer. This is idolatry, greed, things that the, that the heart runs after. These are some of the sins that belong in the realm of death and darkness. And I say some because this list is not exhaustive, but it gives us a picture of what Paul is aiming at here. This greedy pursuit, this, this pursuit for the things of the world that is never satisfied, this pursuit of finding purpose, finding some sort of fulfillment, finding some sort of satisfaction only in the things of the world is idolatry. Looking to the world to get what Christ died to give us is idolatry. It belongs in the realm of death and darkness. It rejects the gift of Christ and it looks to the things of the world. It rejects the creator and it looks to be satisfied with creation. Paul says, this is idolatry. Greed and idolatry are the motivation behind all kinds of sexual sin. The idea that somehow this can deliver to me something that Christ cannot, that somehow the temporary satisfaction is bigger and better than the eternal satisfaction that comes in Christ is a lie. It's exchanging the worship of the true God for the worship of an earthly idol. And I bring up sexual sin specifically here because there is, that this list does lean that direction because at the end of the day, that is one of the most heavy, pervasive sins that humanity is always struggling with. Sexual sin, exchanging what God has said is right for all that God says is wrong and saying, I want this to be right. Exchanging the worship of God 
for something that is wrong, is idolatry. All sexual sin falls into this category, but the same greed and idolatry that drives that sin also drives all the other sins that we wrestle with, gluttony and materialism. It could be an unhealthy desire for, uh, to find satisfaction in our careers, entertainment, hobbies, seeking status or fame. It could be just the unquenchable desire to be approved of by others. Social media is a playground of idolatry. These things aren't always bad in themselves. Sexual sin is in the category of it's always bad. But there are, this greed and idolatry also works its way into things that can be good, that can be useful. Careers, families, jobs, entertainment, those things can be enjoyed. But when we become owned by them, when we are driven by the desire that I must have these things in order to have a full life, then we've exchanged the worship of God for the worship of an idol. And Paul says, when you find these things in your life, when you find sexual immorality in your life, or when you find yourself being driven by idolatry, when you find yourself being driven to make things of this world more than they should be, when you find yourself being driven to accumulate things in this world as your source of fulfillment, Paul says that desire, that drive is from the realm of death and darkness. That drive to find satisfaction in this world apart from Christ belongs to the old house. And Paul says when you see it, and sometimes it takes time, but Paul says, when, when, we, when God is gracious and reveals these sins to us, do not turn the other way. When you see it, be aggressive and attack it. Put it to death. Starve it out of your life. Paul is being crystal clear here. Human desires, fleshly desires, unhealthy pursuits of the things of the world do not belong in the kingdom of Christ. There is no place for them. There's no room for them in the kingdom of Christ. It is right for us to be aggressively engaged in a battle against these sins. They need to be burnt to the ground. They need to be reduced to ash. Now, the question here is, how do we do that? That's the, that's the question that should be rolling around in our minds. Yes, I want to do that, but how? Because if we're not careful, we'll try to do it under our own power, under our own strength. And clearly sin, sin is a complex thing. When we talk about how do we put these things to death, this is an ongoing conversation that we need to have with each other constantly. How do I deal with the specific sins that are in my life? It's a complex conversation. So I don't want to assume that I somehow have just a list of a few things that will clear everything up. But here are a few suggestions on where to start. If we want to be aggressive with the sin in our life, here's how we can start. Set your mind on the things of Christ. So Paul started with, right? That's why we can't detach this from what came at the beginning of chapter three. Set your mind on the things of Christ. Look to Christ and who he is and pray. Pray for help. Pray for help to see the sin in your life, and pray for strength to fight. When we pray, we admit that the battle is real, and we also admit that we are utterly dependent on God to fight. So pray. 
And as you set your mind on Christ, confess your sin. Confess your sin. The sin that you are aware of and the sin that you're not aware of. Confess your sin before God. Because when we confess our sin, we remember that God loves us and that that sin has already been paid for, which gives us the confidence to keep fighting. The moment we forget that we're forgiven, we'll start running away from the sin. But as we remember that we are forgiven and that the debt has already been paid, we can be aggressive against the sin in our life. And when we see the love that God has given us, when we see God's love for us, God's love working its way into our heart has the power to transform our lives. Set your minds on Christ. Set your minds on God's love for you in Christ. See how much God cares for you. See how much God loves you. And that has the power to transform your life. That's how we put these sins to death. These sins, particularly in this list, thrive on our attention. They thrive on our attention and on our giving them time and energy. The more you turn your attention to Christ, the more you will starve these sins of their life source. And the more you'll find the power to fight against them. This sin has no, there's no room for this sin in Christ's kingdom. In fact, we see in verse six, it's on account of these things that the wrath of God is coming. God sees how empty the promises are that these idols give us. God sees how evil these things are. And he, he hates, God hates this sin. And he hates for us to be deceived by it. It's on, the, it's on behalf of these things that the very wrath of God is coming. And Paul wants us to see that these are the things that used to condemn you. God's wrath is coming against these things. They have no place in Christ's kingdom. They belong to the old house and they deserve to be put to death. These are the things that we used to walk in when we lived in them. But now we belong to a new kingdom. Now we belong to a new house. And so we put these things to death. We, we enter into the battle of putting these things to death. And then in verses eight through 11, Paul gives us the command in a different way. He tells us to put sin away, be putting sin away. Look at verses eight through 11. Paul says this, but now, that used to be who you were, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not grief and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul tells us that Christ died to reconcile us to God. And he also tells us that part of what Christ was doing when he died to reconcile us to God was he was dying to reconcile us to each other, tearing down the wall of hostility 
that exists. And he's speaking specifically there of the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, but it applies to any walls of hostility that we would put up, Christ died to tear down so that we could enter into this life, this new kingdom, this new life in harmony and unity with each other. Christ died to bring us together. But the sins that Paul lists here work to tear us apart and trample the work of Christ. Look at this list beginning in verse eight. Anger and wrath. Paul says we ought to put these things away. Anger and wrath. This would include lashing out at someone in unrighteous anger or selfishness. Malice would, be, would include being mean-spirited towards someone or maybe wishing ill will towards someone. Slander would, mean, would, would include tearing someone down or using abusive language towards someone. Obscene talk also includes the idea of abusive language, language towards someone, or it could, it could also include obscene, obscene words or topics. And lying. Paul says, do not lie. Lying here is the willful intent to deceive someone. And here's the common theme. These sins are rooted in the fact that it is very, very easy for us to look down on others, to treat, to treat others poorly for many, many reasons. We have many reasons why we would look down on someone else and treat someone else poorly. Maybe it's simply this, the way someone looks. Maybe we see the way someone looks and it, it causes us to look down on that person. Maybe it's their opinions that we don't like. Maybe we don't like the way they've treated us or something else that they've done. Maybe we look down on someone because of their social status. Maybe we tear people down with our words because they do things a different way than we would. Maybe they think a different way than we would think. Maybe they're actually wrong and we know it. And so we diminish them in our minds. Maybe they struggle with a sin that doesn't quite trip us up the way that it trips them up. Or maybe they just rub us the wrong way. And that's reason enough for us to look down on them. Whatever it is, and we could go on and on, I'm sure. Whatever it is, it is very easy for us to dismiss the value of other human beings. It's very easy for us to look down on others. It's very easy for us to find ourselves speaking to other people or about other people as though they are less than image bearers of Yahweh himself. This is a tragedy. The mistreatment of God's image bearers is not aligned with the kingdom of Christ. The mistreatment of God's image bearers, whether it's words to them, words about them, thoughts about them, the mistreatment of others, treating others as less than image bearers of Yahweh is an act, an attitude, an action that belongs in the realm of death and darkness. It's not something to carry with us. It's not something that belongs in the life 
of believers who have, been, who have entered into the kingdom of light. God has designed us. These verses are very clear. God has designed us to live in unity and harmony. Those are the things that belong in the new kingdom. Even as diverse as we are, God's desire is that we would live in unity and harmony. Harmony. God's people, Paul says here, God's people have put off the old self. We've put off Adam. We are no longer in Adam. In Adam, we tear people down. And it makes sense because we're out for ourselves. Adam was out for himself. We are out for ourselves in Adam. We have put off the old man. We have put off Adam and we have put on Christ. Christ did not tear people down. Christ lived a life that served others in a way to show them love. And that Christ now lives in us. Christ is in all. Christ lives in all of his people without distinction. Each of us as God's family is growing up in the knowledge of Christ and growing up into the image of Christ without distinction. Christ doesn't look down on us. Praise God for that. Christ doesn't look down on us or dismiss us for a myriad of reasons that we so quickly look down on others. Christ loves us because he is love. Christ has united us so that we could be one new people, reconciled and redeemed. And so Paul says that tearing down that looking down on others, that treating others as less than the image of Christ, as less than image bearers of God, that tearing other people down belongs to the old realm, belongs to the old house. Burn that house down and burn these sins down with it. Attack these sins aggressively. When you see these things in your life, when you catch yourself looking down on someone else in thought, or in word, or in action, when you catch yourself treating someone as less than an image bearer of Yahweh, fight against that sin. It does not belong in God's kingdom. It tears apart what Christ died to bring together. How do we do that? Look to Christ. Look to Christ and his love for you. Look to Christ and how he does not discriminate against you. Look to Christ and how he does not dismiss you. And let that love fuel your love for others. I'll say it again. Confess your sin. When you catch yourself doing this, confess your sin quickly and often. When you confess your sin, you're reminded that God loves you without, without discrimination. And you're also reminded that God loves you in spite of your sin. And the more you're reminded of your sin, the less likely you are to dismiss someone else because of theirs. Confess your sin often and quickly and fight against these sins that we bring with us from the old realm, from the old house. Brothers and sisters, it's God's desire that we would fight against these things so that we can move into the new life, that we can boldly move into the new life that Christ has for us. I'll close with this. God includes passages like this in his word, because his aim for us is this high. 
God's aim for us is not that he would bring us out of the realm of darkness and death and then set us free to just kind of meander and stumble and trip and limp our way into the kingdom, never dealing with the sin that we bring with us. That's not God's aim for you. God's aim for you is higher than your aim for yourself. I can guarantee it. He has things that he wants you to experience about his love and about what he's done for you in Christ that are way beyond what you could ever imagine. And it includes fighting against the sin that we keep trying to bring with us. God's aim for you is higher than your aim that you even have for yourself. And he wants us to deal aggressively with the sin that's in our life because he knows how horribly it robs us of all of the joy and the peace that belong to the new life. God knows that the struggle is real, but he knows that the power of his love is bigger and more powerful than any tug of sin in our life. Paul includes this because he knows that we can make progress. Will it be perfect progress? No. Will we go up and down, up and down? Yes. But can we make progress? Yes, we can. Paul believes it. God knows it. The transforming power of God's love through Christ in our hearts can give us the strength to make progress. If you are already in the battle, this passage is here to encourage you, keep fighting. Keep fighting. Keep being aggressive with your sin. It's worth it. It's right. It's good. The fight belongs in the kingdom of Christ. The fight against what we bring with us is what it, what it means to be a Christian in this life. The fight is good. So if you're fighting, keep fighting. And if there are areas of your life where you have become a little bit complacent, where you've maybe turned a little bit of a, a, a blind eye to some of the things that, are, that are, you're dragging along with you, if there are areas of your life where you've been like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get over that. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get rid of that. Or that just seems like it's too hard to deal with. I, I, and maybe it's not even that big of a deal. So I've kind of just turned from that. I'm here to encourage you this morning, engage in that fight. Paul wants us to be engaged in the battle, aggressively, making no provision for the flesh at all. Will the battle go on for the rest of our lives? Yes, but it's a battle worth fighting because as we fight more and more, as we fight against the things that we bring with us, as we burn them down with the old house, we will be entering more and more into the new life that Christ has for us. We will be growing up into Christ. And then we will look forward to the day when we will get not just a taste, but the full feast in the new heavens and the new earth. It's worth the fight. It's God's high aim for his people that we would fight the sin in our lives aggressively. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, you would give us the energy and the strength and the endurance to fight hard, aggressively against the sin in our lives. Lord, would you give us eyes to see even areas of sin that we're not aware of? Would you give us eyes to see it? Lord, where are we driven by earthly passions? Where are we pursuing things of the earth over the things of Christ? 
Where have we made idols in our lives? Where have we taken good things and turned them into unhealthy pursuits? Father, would you show us these things in our lives? Where are we tearing down fellow image bearers? Where have we mistreated other people that are created in your image? Father, would you show us where we are doing this? Would you make it clear to us where we have allowed these sins to exist? Would you show us where we are bringing things from the old realm into the kingdom of Christ? Show us these things and then give us the boldness, the confidence, the strength to fight back, to push back against these things, to burn them down with the old house. Father, would you give us the motive and the desire? Would you compel us with the love of Christ to fight hard against the sin in our lives? Not because we're trying to earn your favor, God. Remind us of this truth, but because we've already been delivered. Help us to grow up into who we are in Christ. Help us to pursue that with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength, Father, that you would be honored and glorified in your people, that we would be a people united in harmony because Christ is in us all. Father, would this be honoring to you, and through this would we be a light to the world around us, that they would see that you have such a high aim for your people to experience new life in ways that we can't even imagine, Father. Let this move us for your glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen.